0: Love Talk Radio.
1: A deal on
2: Monday. Hello everyone, welcome to my show. I'm Peggy Imanisi. The show is called Signs Our Loved One Send Us. And um, I'm going to have this very special guest tonight. Uh, he's been on the show before, Kevin Chappelle. He wrote the book, uh, The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual uh, Gifts. And we're going to talk more about the Bible and things in the Bible and verses that uh, say it's okay to to uh, to honor these gifts. And I'm going to bring Kevin on now. And um, Melissa, um, my niece, who's my co-host, won't be on tonight, so Kevin will be co-hosting the show with me. So hold on one second, please. Hi, Kevin.
0: Hello, Peggy.
3: Good to hear you.
2: How are you? Long time no talk to. Sorry, it's been crazy.
3: Oh, it has been been crazy. crazy You must agree.
2: (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah, While well, I have you yeah, well, on the air now, um, I just want to dedicate the show tonight to a very dear friend that I just lost and his funeral was yesterday, Billy Dohan. Uh, he was a very, very special person, and uh, tonight's show, I, I don't know, uh, I, I'd i like to dedicate to him. And uh, we know he's in a, in a wonderful place, but I'm sure as heck going to miss him here. So he was my confidant and my buddy. And uh, So um, how are things with you? What's going on with you?
3: Well, not not a whole lot lately. I, I, I've been on a few other shows uh, since we last talked on July first. Uh, uh, a few more, of what I would say, incidents with Melanie. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about have happened since then as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also we've sta- we've stayed busy ourselves here in Arizona. It's 101 outside this afternoon.
2: We're pretty close. We're in the 90s with lots of humidity. Uh, by the way, I want to wish you and and Stan on happy happy anniversary. So happy anniversary to you.
3: Okay, thank you. Yes, our wedding anniversary actually comes up the 19th of this month, and it'll be 36 years that we've been married.
2: Right, right. We, um, you and I, we've discussed synchronicities on the show, and you and I have lots of those. And when I posted uh, August second was my would have been my parents' seventy eighth anniversary, and they were married in thirty six, which is totally opposite of you and Stana. You had pointed that out to me. We we have an awful lot of these things going on, don't you think?
3: I tend to agree. Uh, Does the date August 19th, which is two weeks from today, and is our actual wedding anniversary, is there any synchronicity in your family for that date?
2: Uh, The 18th, the day before, is my brother Lee's birthday. August 18th is Lee's birthday. Yep, so it's missed by one day. (laughs) I missed it by one day, but nothing the 19th, but close, no cigar, you know. Um, I had kind of an experience uh, myself uh, this past week. I don't know if you've been reading. I know you've been busy, any of my posts, but prior to Billy, my friend, passing, I had no idea he passed, and uh, I had to, had a um, issue here at home with a tree limb that was hanging over the whole uh, my whole house, which if it had let loose, it was hanging on by a thread, would have taken out my whole place. But it wasn't bad enough. I almost lost it two years ago with Hurricane Sandy. And the ironic thing that morning, uh, I don't know. Did you see my post about the phone calls and everything? What was going on?
3: I did not see that, unfortunately.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I just want to give you a quick uh, talk about synchronicities and, 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 and messages from above. Uh, I got up that morning in a good mood. Uh, my phone rang once to set operator. I have a block on my line. If you don't show your number, you don't get through to me. So I'm like, okay, maybe something's going on. I hang up. Then all of a sudden, my home phone is calling my home phone. <laughs> like I'm calling myself, which can't be done around here. Uh, with my number and my name. <clears throat> a few minutes later it happened again. I'm going hello, hello, thinking maybe a glitch in the system. Call my, uh, phone provider. They, they went, hmm. So they said, well, there's always, could be a, a glitch, blah, 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 blah. Within an hour, my neighbor calls me. And I've taken pictures of all these phone calls from my camera phone. Uh, My neighbor calls me at 222, which you know are my numbers, and says to me, she already notified the tree company, they're here, get out of my house so they can take this down before something happens. So I'm thinking, okay, my 222 usually is a sign that I'm going to lose somebody that I know. So I'm thinking, okay, that was my, my kids warning me, warning me to get out of the house. Well, it was about 1130, quarter to 12 that night I got the phone. Phone call about my friend Bill. So obviously, Bill was letting me know he made it to the other side. So I, w- I was wondering if you got to see that. So this, I do this was now that
3: I saw the picture of the cell phone with the two 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 on it. I, I, I do. I apologize, but I do remember that now.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. But you know, like I said, we've we've discussed synchronicity ever since my show with um, Mark Ireland, which is how I found you. You know, and um, it's it's just crazy. It's just um, unbelievable at times. But so, Kevin, share share about your book again with people. Um, you were on the show a month ago. In case people weren't, uh, we have a lot a lot of new listeners. In case they've never heard um, about your book or you, uh, give them a briefing on your book and, of course, about your friend Melanie.
3: Okay, Uh, to begin with, the title of the book is The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts. It is available on Amazon.com in both the paperback and the Kindle version. Uh, In fact, it was just a year ago this past weekend that we released the Kindle version of that. The book is a scriptural defense of the gifts of psychic and mediumship abilities uh, and gives basically the rundown of how these are genuine spiritual gifts, how the arguments from the traditional Christian church that they are evil gifts do not hold up scripturally. Um, I give a brief history of myself and how I came to having the viewpoint and came to searching the scriptures and discovering this. Um, Also, as um, you said, Peggy, Melanie came in uh, about that time in my life where I was just beginning to s- discover even more things about this being, you know, that led by the spirit now that I had a medium for a friend, uh, mm-hmm. which led, of course, to me, um, discovering yet another, um, aspect of mediumship and how it benefited my life, which I share in the book, um, and from that point on to the rest of the book, I talk about the responsibility we have to, to use our gifts, put them to use for the glory of the Lord, you know, and even with, with some gifts such as the ability to predict death, you, you uh-huh. may not know how to put that to use properly, but the Lord does, and he actually did put that to use for his glory in a non-morbid way, which I share in the book. if right. Right. gives us the idea that all spiritual gifts, including psychic ability and mediumship, are to bring comfort, strength, encouragement, and building up the people for the Lord.
2: right. Like, you know, I, I talk about my two-two-twos, Kevin, and um, I don't actually predict the death. It's just usually a sign, and I never know who it is. It's just something that's been happening for many, 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 many years to me. Um, I don't go up to somebody and say, oh, today's the day you're going to die. I, I never even know who's going to, but I know someone close to me. That's when the numbers start popping, and it happens. I'll be looking at the clock or something. That was powerful what happened the other day, um, but I don't go around predicting people's death, you know, know, so I just want to make that clear to our our, our listeners. Also, Kevin, let them know why you're an authority on this. Um, A little bit of your background, again, uh, about being in the church and being a deacon in the Baptist Church.
3: Okay, well, it's actually kind of a parallel background. I'll start with the idea that way back when I was 17 years old in a uh, Southern Baptist Church youth group, I met up with a girl who could predict the future, and I was... At that time, I'd been raised like anybody else in a Southern Baptist church uh, to believe that all supernatural activity was of the devil, so forth, so on. Um, Mm -hmm. And here I was now meeting up with a girl who had received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior but was still able to predict the future. Uh, I was wondering how it could be. I asked a couple of youth leaders, I said, what do you think of somebody who knows things that are going to happen before they happen? Their very first response, without even knowing who this was, I did I kept it purposely anonymous, but they said, Um, I would stay away from that. That's not of the Lord. And right. I could not in my own mind say, you know, I don't see anything evil about her you know, of course mm-hmm. I'm in love with this girl, but um it's- it caused me to really re examine, you know, why do I believe what I believe. I of course it took some time, but I, of course, reaffirmed that the Bible was truly the Word of God. But then I began to realize that the Bible did not condemn psychics. And later on discovered that it really does not condemn mediumship either, that the word medium used in current translations of the Bible was not used in the King James Version, which used instead a term called a person with a familiar spirit. It was not the same meaning as a medium. It was referring to a person who calls upon spirits rather than a medium such as yourself who a spirit comes to. And Mm -hmm. there, um, um, as I became a teacher in the Southern Baptist Church in the 1990s, along with Stan and my wife, we started with a group of kids, but then I worked up to where I was teaching in adult Sunday school, and by the time you got to the mid-2000s, you know, we had shows on the air such as uh, John Edwards' Crossing Over, uh, Allison DuBois' Medium, Ghost Whisper. And I was getting questions from members of the class, you know, how much of this is scriptural, how much of it is real, you know? Um, mm-hmm. what, what do we say? Um, is it wrong for us to watch these shows? You know, I, I get all these questions. And I developed lessons along the way to where they would understand the scriptures that were there in the Bible about uh, psychic ability and mediumship. Um, And eventually, after, uh, I'd say it was in the late summer of 2010 that uh, I got a message uh, on Facebook from a woman named Melanie Runyon. Right. Who said I've been referred by Tanya Thomas to you because I can't find a channeling teacher in this area that would help me channel my daughter who her daughter right. was Roxanne who had passed away at the age of twenty nine, uh a year and a half before that.
1: And I had to
3: break the news to her. I said, I am not a channeling teacher, I rather teach the Bible. I teach classes in the Bible. And right. she began to relate to me her experiences with a hospice reverend um and telling me what she did when she brought the person's son through and I said, So you're a medium, that's your gift from the Lord And it was kinda of like very surprising to her and I said, Yes, I said, The the Lord said in Joel two twenty eight, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You're Sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You only will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Upon my manservants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit. I said, "There's no limitation on that. This this is your gift."
0: And she right. was very
3: surprised that I was the very first Bible teacher she had ever encountered who did not condemn her for being a medium. And she was eager to learn all she could from me at that point. At the same time, now that I was friends with the medium, the Spirit began to show me things, which I put into my book, Mm -hmm. that ran contrary to many things that I had been hearing from the pulpit for years, but yet when I studied the Bible for myself, there they were. And a lot of it had to do with the support in the Bible for psychic and mediumship gifts and, and, and their purposes.
2: Right. Why do you think that so many um, Christians? I I was—I've talked on many shows. I was brought up in the Episcopal Church. Uh, My dad worked as uh, he was the, the sexton, the caretaker of the church, but on the vestry, I taught Sunday school. My mother was into the Methodist Church. Her mother was the organist, so I was brought up with a very strong Christian background. Why do you think that so many other Christians condemn? Um, these gifts that we have what, what, because of the upbringing, you know, just kind of being led to believe that it was wrong, what made them think it was of the devil? what do you think what's your hypothesis on that
3: well there's there's two there's two ways that it comes about first of all, they look at many psychic sites, let's say maybe Oranum or any other place, and they see they don't see them proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, they say, oh Well, then that gift can't be from the Lord because they're not out there giving Jesus Christ the credit, glorifying him immediately. Well, one of the problems with that is that not only are you confusing a source with with how the gift is used, it would be like saying that if I took my car and did road rage, then uh, General Motors is located in hell. You know, it makes no sense. Um, the same way, too, is that when you go back to the book of Acts in the Bible, there are only two instances, one in Acts chapter 3 and one in Acts chapter 14, where an immediate display of the power of the Holy Spirit, that the credit is immediately given to the Lord Jesus Christ, only happens twice. All of the other instances in the book of Acts, there was no immediate Credit given to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm of course all in favor of giving credit to Him, but right. if they didn't do it all the time, then it'd be wrong to say that just because you don't give the credit now, that the gift is evil. Right, um, right. But there's also just some principles that are good sounding, like for example, to say you know in the church from the pulpit that only Christians receive a spiritual gift. Well, that just comes to contrary contradict what I just told you from the Bible in Joel, that the Lord would pour out His Spirit on all flesh.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you so, think again, all,
0: you,
2: uh, the gift, uh, Kevin? Do you think, because uh, I mean, I love more that I read it, because you know I've had a gift since I was a child. I've, you know, I've told you and you know. Um and I was kind of uh leery about using it or wondering what's going on, what have you. But the more I read up on it, um, in the general population, it's, it it keeps saying that we're all, if you believe, we all have this gift to some extent. Do you believe that or?
3: Well, here's what here's what my take was. In fact I was just asked this on a talk show roughly ten days ago, is that um in First Corinthians twelve, eleven it says that the host all of these gifts are by the same spirit, and he gives them as he wishes um, mm-hmm. i do i I believe that to some extent we may have some varying degrees of intuition, but I do believe that that the various gifts, not everybody has the same gift and and this is expounded a lot more on in the twelfth chapter of First Corinthians, like, you know, if everybody was an eye, where would the sense of smelling be? If everybody was a foot, where would the arm be? You know, that we Yeah we're not all artists,
2: artists. We're musicians. We're we all have you know, we we can play music and maybe sing a little doesn't mean we can write music. Uh we we can like poetry and write some poems doesn't mean we're a poet. So I I think it's along that same lines that maybe others have the gift a little, you know, um, it's their gift. It's their gift. Um, I think we all have, um, I think we, you know, growing up I remember my friends saying, oh, they just had a deja vu or or I got a gut feeling. I mean, we've all heard this, you know, among friends and family. Uh, So maybe that's just the little pieces that they're getting, but people like me, like uh, uh, Melanie, Uh, Melissa and other intuitives that I know I happen to be intuitive myself, um, we have a gift for a special purpose, and you agree on that, right?
3: Right. Well, here's another distinction, and I think you'll agree with this too, uh, Peggy, is that every person I've known that was born with a gift, such as Melanie, such as my Mm -hmm. wife, such as you, that Mm -hmm. you come across a point in your life, and usually it's in the you know, adolescent or early teens, where you wish you didn't have the gift, but you've oh, yeah, my whole life you just life shut you know. it off. No, you know, and I tried. I, this
0: didn't happen
3: with me, for example. You know, I, you know, in fact, all the way up until 2003, when I was 45, I used to say I didn't have a psychic bone in my body because I personally, right. you know, even though I had a few experiences, I didn't equate them with an ability in myself. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, but and. But those people, you know, like my wife, who would often say, "I wish I didn't have the gift of knowing when somebody was going to die," but it just mm-hmm. just comes to her, and you can't right. stop it. And th- this is again part of the distinction I make. Um, you know, in the first chapter of my book, when I say that, you know, there are people who call out to spirits, there are pe- people who try to make this happen. They are the people who have a familiar spirit, which God forbids. But if the, the distinction is that. If the spirits are coming to you and it's involuntary, if you were born yeah. with it or the Holy Spirit passes that gift to you and it's not through your efforts, that is not a sin. That is not condemn you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I never you know, I had friends that used to do the Ouija board as kids and it used to creep me out and and do all kinds of stuff, the tarot cards that which I'm not into. I mean if you're you are, you are. I did angel card readings uh, only in the past few years because I felt it was of God. But it was just kind of like a tool where I was learning that I don't need the angel cards. Um, the 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 gift is there, you know. But I didn't go searching for it either. And like your wife uh, and, and Melanie, I wanted it to go away because it, it made me feel weird. It made me feel... Um Not in a bad way, really. I mean, I knew I, I loved god and and Jesus you know was was our savior and and I gave my life to Jesus at a very young age, but um it just I felt different, and I think that that was you know and back growing up, I was born in fifty three nobody Talked about these things really, if, if if you know, generations have changed because people are coming out of out of the um, the closet sort of say about it now, and uh, that's why I finally said, you know, I am a lot more relaxed with my life now, since I've opened up with my gift, and I don't care who knows because it is of God, you know, but I I'm still being condemned by many, you know, so it. So happened. this is
3: exactly why I wrote the book because anybody who will take a objective. Um, scholarly look at uh, and say, you know, I'm going to see what the Bible has to say in reality and to not be biased as they search will come to the conclusion. For example, in First 1 Corinthians 12.8, you know, the gift of knowledge is listed as one of the gifts by the Spirit and supernaturally obtained knowledge is what? Psychic ability. You're mm-hmm. obtaining knowledge with, you know, through supernatural means. As far right. as mediumship, uh the proof that I have in the book to start with is that in first peter three eighteen through twenty you have that Christ was put to death in the body but was made alive by the spirit through whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison, mm-hmm. and when you couple that with john fourteen twelve where Jesus says, "I tell you the truth: he who believes in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do greater things than these because they go to the Father." If he communicated with spirits, and he says that those who believe in him would do what he's been doing, well, that's mediumship when you're communicating. You also have in the book of Revelation, uh, chapters 2 and 3, in which Mm -hmm. Jesus is telling John what to write to the seven churches, and to six of the seven churches, excluding Pergamum, He tells them at the end of each letter, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you're going Mm -hmm. to be the ear in the body of Christ who hears a spirit, well, that is the gift of mediumship being properly used in the church.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Jesus
3: would not have said that if he did not intend for the body of believers to have a medium amongst them. To to listen for what the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is saying to those churches. Why he right. left one church out, we don't know. Maybe they were already mm-hmm. listening to the Spirit. Maybe they didn't mm-hmm. have a medium amongst them yet. We don't know. But right. that is a validation. Further, not to mention in John four twenty four, he says, "God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth." Well, how can you worship a spirit and avoid
2: spirits? Yeah, it may, it's kind of hypocritical, you know. Exactly. It's kind of like my work. I, you know, I thank you, number one, for your review of my book. Um, you know that I, if you, especially at the end, and once you get to the end, you see that I give all the credit to God for. I didn't. You did. write it. I mean, I wrote. Was my life story, and it was true. You know, there was no editorial rights where people think, and it was all true. Everything I put in that book, at the loss of a lot of my family, including two of my children, really brought me out, and I knew I had a special purpose. You know, there was a reason for losing two children. There was a reason for losing all my, the rest of my family, so close together that I had to do something and I felt driven by the spirit to write this book. Even when I didn't at times, when I would be dozing off, I just got up and I'm tired and it's like something compelled me, something forced me to continue writing. You know, it's, it takes two hours to read. It took me seven years to write, you know. And, uh, it was just a driven force. The God made me do this, you know. And, and I agree with you that, you know, and I do give him credit for that. And I'm glad that you, you are probably one of the very first, um, reviews that I really, really loved. Um, because you really understood my book, you know. And, uh, well, thank, thank you. you for that. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Because a lot of people, was like, you know, there was one review by another author that I know, and it's like, you know, it wasn't just about the heartbreak of a woman. Yeah, of course, I've lost two children. Of course, I'm heartbroken. I'm human. But it was, that wasn't the message. The message, what is to bring people closer to God by the signs that were given me. And you got it. And we're, I guess a lot of people just didn't get what the true meaning was. So thank you for that.
3: Thank you. Well, Melanie, one time we were talking after one of her last group readings, and I said, "You know, I said you mean that some people actually come just because they want the assurance that their loved one's presence is still there, that they, that they, you know, they know they passed away, but they want some assurance." And she says, "Yes, sometimes that's all they need." And I, I said, "They don't believe in a life after the physical death," and she said, uh, "Apparently not, because they." they have their doubts until they actually get a message from their loved ones. I even asked mm-hmm. her, I said, why do they go to a church if they don't believe this? And she says, I've wondered to see you know, them. Did you, you see that in my book,
2: book also? Do you remember seeing yes, that, that in my Yes, I did. I saw
3: it in the artist. I sure did. I mean, you told me before I bought it that you had said it, and then I read it. <laughs> you were quite right. Yep. Um, yep. But this—it it is true that... I think if there's anything to be said for mediumship, it shows that God is patient with our unbeliefs, just as it as when he himself resurrected from the grave and he talked to two people on the road to Emmaus, he didn't mm-hmm. criticize them, but he did say, You know how slow are you to believe the things that the prophets have said about the christ he yep. uh, He knew that we as human, our beliefs are going to be slow in coming and He put mediums such as you to encourage, to build up. You know, this is one of the purposes of a spiritual gift, which I really emphasize in my book, is that it is for building up, encouraging people in the faith. And I had a a situation with my father disinheriting me 22 years ago in 1992 that Mm -hmm. I couldn't come to terms with until... Melanie came along in 2012, 20 years later, and shared with me that my father actually had told her that I had outdone him. It was a very strange way that came about. Um, I had just bought a uh, HP um, touchpad tablet, and it had a feature on it called Skype, which I'd never seen. And, right. uh, and mm-hmm. Melanie had talked about it, and she would call her grandson on it. So I tried calling her and said, I'd like to get practice with this thing and see if I can make it work. And as soon as we made it work, I had turned the tablet to where the bookcase was behind me instead of my clutter. And the first thing out of our mouth was, your dad is so glad to see that you still have that old radio that he gave you. Wow. And At first, I had a bonus in some supernatural instances. And I said, yeah, uh, he did give that radio to me before he went overseas in 69. And then two days later, it hit me, wow. I never told yeah. Melanie about anything in my office, where I got it from yeah. or how. I said, that must have been my dad. And the, I sent her a message. I said, why did my dad come through? Was he there to criticize me because I don't make as much money or have as nice of a house or that I'm not a supervisor or where I work or what? And she said, Kevin, he wasn't there to criticize you. He was there to tell you you outdid him. I said, How? how? And she says, on the other side, they learn that those things don't matter. What matters is relationships. He's seen how you've stayed with your wife, how you've been a father to your son, and he is very proud of you. That broke a lot of grief that I had been dealing with for 20 years, thinking that, you know, I was condemned because my father disinherited me. It didn't matter well, that he disinherited
0: me.
2: Yes. it's a gift it's to give to others to heal the soul to let you know once we leave this planet and we're we're in heaven they see everything and and they're different it's about complete love it's It's not the feelings that we have here; they can come through as the same type of character just to let you know it's them, but they're all about love on the other side and that's what I try to tell people. You know, there's not, there's no bitterness, there's no anger, there's none of those feelings that you have here. You know, so that that's a, that's a beautiful testimony to the healing part of mediumship.
3: Oh, and, and this is why I stressed in the last part of that chapter in my book. After I told the story about my dad and Melanie, I said, you know, a church is playing short of a full set of spiritual gifts if they do not include their psychic. Or medium brother and sister into the church. I says it'd be like having a socket wrench set with two sockets missing that you're going to need sometimes. You know, you know the spiritual gifts are there to build up the church, the individual in in various ways. And after Melanie had, of course, um, brought me that message, it began to clear up a lot of my hang-ups and things that would make me angry on a daily basis. It was six months after the that time, I suddenly realized that these things that made me angry on a daily basis, which I couldn't even see how they were connected with my father, had virtually disappeared. My mind was cleared up to where I was actually able to start the book um, right. that we talk about, you know, because I was now with a clear conscience of yep. you know, serving the Lord because of what Melanie had done for me.
2: Wow. Well, Kevin, you know I, I want to talk more about Melanie, but we have some callers on the line that want to ask some questions. Is that okay tonight? So I'm gonna give you a uh, couple callers to see if you can answer their questions.
3: I can certainly try. If they ask for a reading, I don't do that, but I will be happy to answer Not their really questions.
2: The reading tonight that myself, but we'll see what they what we can help them with. Okay. Um, okay. The, the, the first caller is area code 903, the last four numbers are 5183. I need your name and what part of the world or state you're from.
1: Okay. Hello. My name is Cheryl Pierce, and I'm Hi. in
2: Texas. You're in Texas? Hi, Cheryl. How are you? How can we help you tonight?
1: Well, I had I only had a couple of questions until I started listening to the broadcast, and um this is my first time. I know about you, Peggy. I hear you see your posts. I, I know I don't want to take up a lot of time because you have probably got a lot. No, of no, time. we got
2: we got an hour and a half. So go ahead. Don't worry about it.
1: This time that I've actually called in because uh, I mostly have raised like you. Mostly believe that psychics, medias, and that sort of thing were of the devil or had some kind of witchcraft, evil type thing. I was also raised in a Baptist church. The main reason was because the person you had on as your speaker was a Baptist preacher, and that Mm -hmm. he did believe in Jesus Christ, and he wrote this book, The Bible. Is it called The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Mediums? Yes. No, The Truth
0: About Psychics and Spiritual
3: Gifts.
1: We took the word medium out of the title.
2: Um, Cheryl, uh, you know me from Facebook then, right?
1: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm Cheryl Nana. Oh, hi,
2: Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, did do, do you ever know Kevin before, or just heard my last show, or just uh, kind of curious uh, about the show tonight?
1: My first time to ever call in. I've seen a lot of your posts. I've liked a lot of them. I've commented on several of them. I know about your two children that passed away, mm-hmm. and I've about my sorrow over that. Uh, Thank you. A lot of different things going on, and I and I felt you there, you know. But see, I was always raised, and here's the question that I had for Philip. And what is your last name, Philip? No, his name Kevin. is Kevin. Kevin. That's okay. Kevin, because I want to get the book. It's Kevin. My Kevin. My Me. last name is
3: last name is Schopel. And if you have trouble spelling it, just when you get to Amazon, put in either the title or just the words Bible and psychic, and it'll be one of your first few hits. But my last name is Schopel. S C H O E P P E L.
1: I got it. O E P P E L. Okay. Yeah, you can
2: always you know, to my archives on my show too, because all my shows are archived, and I have it on the um, my viewer screen. I have his book listed, and of course on my page. So if you have any, you know, just go to that and then Google Amazon. Okay. okay. And, and my book on, is uh, too for other for other listeners that that, that don't know. I forgot the name. Call them, tell them my book is Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hug by Peggy yes. S. Emenicing. I
1: also thought about getting that book too. Because I uh-huh. thought, and I, the reason I think, and now that I'm beginning to understand part of these things that the pastor has talked about, is because, and the reason that you, I don't believe in psychics and spiritual gifts of people other on the other side helping us. I do believe in angels that the God uh-huh. let the Father forth to to see that His word is performed and not come back to Him void. And I do believe that it was part of this, uh, whichever way it went. But when you lost your children, but you were compelled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to, create, to write this book. And the reason mm-hmm. being is, it helped you, and whatever way by you feeling, you know, closest to your children, seeing them, uh, having a meeting with them. But you also helped other people and that's the reason well, that, why. Well, that was
2: my goal. That was my goal. That's why I do the show, which I, I just I want to let you know, Cheryl, I don't get paid for doing the show. This is all volunteer. Uh, my all books, this. Kevin they will don't. tell you, we don't get rich. You're writing books. People think everybody's a millionaire. Far from it, believe me. You make like a dollar a copy, Kindle or a hard copy, what, unless you're a New York Times millions, million seller, and then you're getting a million dollars, you know? So it's not about money. I want to stress that. It's about... Our, our gift um, that the Lord the Lord has put us in this place to um, make people understand. I mean, I had my gift since I was a child uh, but didn't understand it, and I only came out really about it in, in full force after after the loss of my children because of the signs that were being sent to me. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I know it's of the Lord.
1: That brings me to you one of my questions. I do have three main questions. Okay. okay. The thing that I wanted to ask was, What about where it says in the Bible that there's a great gulf between the living and the dead? I know what she's talking about there. Um,
3: That's the the part in the scripture which is talking about the rich man and Lazarus. Am I correct in Luke chapter 16?
1: Yes, yes, correct.
3: Okay, well, there they are talking about the difference between the place that is called Abraham's bosom, which is where um, Lazarus went to. And actually, the place called Hades, which even in the King James Version, where they used the word hell, uh, Dr. Schofield, who wrote the Schofield Reference Bible, said that the actual Greek word was Hades, the place of the dead. And that in that instance, they mistranslated it as hell. The lake of fire, which is the second death, does not come until after the judgment. And of course, you read in the judgment in, in Revelation 20, that it says that death and Hades gave up the dead that were within them. So the place of the dead, and now the one thing I could not equate, and I really wrestled with this, and I tell this in my book in the fifth chapter, was I said, you know, how could this rich man be in torment and be in only Hades, but not hell or the lake of fire? Well, what had happened is that I I prayed about this to the Lord for the longest time. I thought, you know, I said, if I'm publishing a book like this, if I don't get this question answered, I'm going to be eaten alive. Well, what happened was the Lord brought this to my mind, was a parable about the wedding banquet in Matthew chapter 22, in which the people who were invited to the banquet did not come. They all had their excuses, So he tells his servants, you will bring people in off the street. And so they're gathered in this place. Now, even though Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this, to begin the parable, you've got both the good and the bad in this place, so you're not in heaven yet. Therefore, it's, it's comparable to this place of the dead, which is called Sheol or Hades. At that point, the king is offering garments. Now, I don't typically go for symbolism, But in Isaiah chapter 60, you know, he says, you have clothed me with garments of salvation, the prophet says. So I said, okay, that's my go-ahead, that I can treat these garments as symbols of salvation. What has happened is you have a person who's refused the garment because they come to him and says, how did you get into that wedding garment? Well, all these people are brought in off the street. They can't have this garment yet. It has to be furnished for them to wear. What he's done is he's refused his salvation in Hades. And it says in the parable, you know, throw him into the outer darkness. Well, it doesn't mention flames there, but in other references, which I would have to pull up, and and I'm not doing it at this moment, but other times you'll see outer darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, in a flame. And so, you know, I cannot explain why or try to give reasons behind it. But the reality is that this person who is in the place of the dead is actually put into a place of torment because he's refused his salvation, even being given out in a place like Hades. I see.
1: Okay. Okay, so then my other question is, why can't everyone be contacted or see or hear from their loved ones? I've lost my mother two years ago in December. I lost my brother last November and Seen or heard nothing from them, and I know that my mother's in, in heaven, and I'm pretty sure my brother is, because I believe strongly. My number is seven. That's God's perfect number. Okay, my mother died on twelve twenty. She died five days before, before Christmas. Twelve twenty eleven. You add that up long ways. It adds up to seven. Okay, that God that was God's confirmation to me. Plus, she was 80 years old. God promises us 70 or 80 by reason of our strength. She would have turned 81 in January. See, she, she had to go then. That was her time. And God proved it to me by her birth, her death date adding up to 7. And that comforted me. So that was a sign to me. But that's the only sign I've ever gotten. And one other time, I was hearing some music, and they were playing Christian music, and I said, it was the last song they were going to play. They were playing ten songs. And I said, oh, it would be so great if I could hear the song that Mother used to sing. It was her favorite, about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you know what? They played it. It was the last song they played. So, you know, I mean, in know, I feel like maybe, you know, that was a connection with her on both of those accounts, you know, but I've had no other you know, and I, I don't understand. I hear about these people all the time that are seeing and hearing things from their loved ones and this and that. Why doesn't it happen to everyone? Uh,
0: well, this
3: is a, it does not happen to me where I hear or see people who have deceased myself. My gift is not mediumship, Cheryl. Um, but I will tell you this. If you do get Peggy's book, and I think it's only like 2 or $3 for a Kindle of it, but that book is really out to tell people who are not mediums, such as myself, all the signs and the synchronicities that these that our loved ones send us to say, I'm here, I'm around and that their personalities don't change. Um if you know, as as so that that I think her book is really written for the people who are not mediums but at the same time, you know, You may have a medium, such as Peggy herself here, that if your mom, you know, wants to come to her and give a message, that may be okay. But don't forget that the Lord rules over all. There may be times. I didn't get a message about my dad being proud of me until 20 years after his death, and I had to go through all
2: that. Can I intervene? Um, I'm getting something, if it's okay. I wasn't planning on doing readings tonight. Um, Cheryl, do you have a Sarah around you? A what? Someone a by sale? the name of Sarah. Sarah. No. S-A-R-A-H. Do you know of a Sarah?
1: No, I have no one named Sarah around me.
2: Mm-mm. Okay. All right. Well, I'm no. feeling a Sarah. I'm feeling a Sarah. No. So if, 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 I, if you write this down, it may not mean nothing I tell people right now, but it may mean something to you. I, I just got a strong feeling, and I, I wasn't going to do any readings, but uh, I have a Sarah coming. Um, that happened to be my mother's name also, but I just have a uh, Sarah coming around me. So if anybody that's on the chat room has a Sarah, uh, I just have a strong, overwhelming connection with a Sarah right now.
1: And also, I, I just, that, just, do we all have these gifts? And isn't it isn't it actually the Holy Spirit that is the gift that we're getting not through these, uh, you know, I mean, isn't it
3: the Holy Spirit that has given us these gifts? Um, he be- is giving us the gifts. Of, if you read First Corinthians chapter 12, he says there are many gifts, but it's the same spirit. And he goes through a listing of the various gifts, such as prophecy, evangelism, teaching, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, knowledge, faith, and so on. And at the 11th verse, he says... All of these are gifts of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them as he wishes. Okay. So this is this is what we talked about in the beginning of the show, that not everyone has the same gifts. Right. But this is where we encourage and build up each other. Peggy's a medium, but she's not a teacher. I'm a teacher, but not a medium.
1: Right. I'm beginning to see like, And that's why I called in tonight, because you were a pastor, and uh, waste all of this on the Bible, that's the only reason and the main reason why I called in because I am a Christian and I want to do everything according, you know, to the Bible way, you know. This is
3: exactly why I wrote the book because I wanted everybody to understand solidly and I, you know, I've had people that have not read it. They say, "You're, you're twisting scripture and I said, no, read it through. There are several scriptural proofs to each point that I make in there because I knew, I thought, I don't want to be the the person that's wrong and suddenly face the Lord and be condemned for writing it. I wanted to make sure that I was correct, and what I did is researched completely. I prayed about this book as I wrote it, because I knew it was going to break a over-500-year-old paradigm to be writing something like this. And, thought so
2: I'm my book uh, also... Um, Gives thanks to the Lord. He he got he guided my handwriting the book. So it's not just the fact that I am a medium, um, because I really didn't talk about that in the book. I did say I had signs coming to me, that I had a gift, but I never got into it. Um, but I do give if you read my my poetry in my book my i give credit all to the lord so it, this is my work for the lord um it's not just about being a meeting it's it's more than that it's you know the word you know kevin kevin has the scriptural uh um answers where i don't where we've combined forces through our our friendship now and that's why i have him on the show to answer these questions but we're we're all working for the same man i want nothing to do with any dark energy any anything like that I don't get into crystal balls and tarot cards and Ouija boards. Like I said, I don't do any of that stuff. I just get whatever messages the Lord gives me. And and I pray before each and every show uh, for the armor to be placed around me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay?
1: Amen. And I will be calling in more often. One other thing I wanted to ask was about the familiar spirits. My mother used to tell me, that a familiar spirit can, can take on the persona and look exactly like that person and be exactly like that person, isn't exactly I know what
3: she's talking about, but they're they're not equated in in the scriptures. What they're talking about is in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and you'll probably have to scan for the verse. But it says, you know, Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising that his Servants can appear as servants of righteousness, however their end will be what their deeds deserve. And he's saying that, yes, Satan can appear as an angel of light. This is why we have two commands in Scripture, uh, one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the other in 1 John 4, 1 to 3, that commands us. It says in 1 John, do not, brothers, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God, but is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is already in the world. Um, and basically it's not just saying Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and leaving it at that, but to to confess that Jesus of Nazareth, who died on that cross and was raised again, is the one who made this world, everything in it, visible and invisible, all principalities, powers, and is the head of the church, is resurrected and is coming again in power, if they confess the real Jesus the way he is, don't call him an ascended master or just a good teacher, but he is Lord, then that school is of the Lord. Otherwise if it cuts you anything short of that and refuses to acknowledge Jesus for who he truly is, that's not of the Lord.
2: Yes, see, I I wouldn't give any readings if it wasn't to comfort someone. Um, It's I would not give them any other uh, – I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. I've had people ask me that, no, I do this, friends, what have you. Uh, They they said, you know, I have something going on in my house, and there's a dark energy. I said, well, then you need to call a priest for an exorcism because that's not what I'm doing. I want nothing to do with any of that. Any dark energy, any dark spirits, or (laughs) – I'm not an exorcist. I'm not a priest, nor do I claim to be. I just bring comfort to grieving, mostly grieving parents like myself because I understand them because I've been there twice. And they're more apt to listen to someone who's, you know, not just a medium, but a medium who's lost two of her children that knows the human aspect of it than to listen to just a regular medium at times. So that's why I do what I do. And nothing to do
3: with... And Mark Ireland's book Soul Shift, both. Are for people who are not mediums that need that reassurance that their loved ones are still around. Would you agree, Peggy?
2: Yes, definitely. Mark Ireland's book is up. Well, I, I couldn't put his book down either. Soul Shift, and then he has. Um, I, I told you, uh, him and I had a great uh, synchronicity uh, with his father, where I was. Uh, his father was back in the '60s. I I couldn't I could miss a show that he was on, and then here, years later, I'm interviewing. His son, who happened to have lost a child, who believes in this type of work, so it's kind of it's kind of strange, you know. It's not really strange. It's it, I I believe that God puts people together, and through Mark Ireland, that's how I met Kevin. Um, I can't tell you exactly, but I just saw what you did in your book, and that's when I I asked Kevin. You know, I wanted to talk to Kevin, so that's how the Lord works. He he brings us to it, and he brings us uh, brings it to others, people like us. So
1: help and it's helping, and I thank you both so very much for everything and for answering all my questions, and God bless both well, well, of you. Me, Cheryl, have
2: a, I'll put you on hold. You can listen to the show, or you can go back to the archives, because they're all archived, uh, anytime you want to listen. So I'll put you on hold. Thanks for calling, Cheryl. All God
1: right, bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless okay. you. Okay. okay bye-bye. bye-bye.
2: Kevin, we have another uh, question here. I'm going to answer that, and then we're going to talk more about Melanie, because we've got over an hour left, okay? Uh, This is area code 29. The last four numbers are 3457. Okay. Caller, I need your name and where you're from, please. What's your name, please? Hello? Caller? Kevin, are you still there?
3: I'm still here, but I'm not hearing a caller.
2: Yeah, they're on. They're ask, they want to ask a question. Hello, caller, are you there? No, I don't know what's going on. If they want to call back, they can. I'll put them back on hold. Uh, we have another one here. I guess it's a Skype. I don't have the number, so I'm going to pick you up and just give me your name and where you're from and if you want to ask a question. Hello, caller? Hello, caller? Okay, I don't know what's going on here tonight. <laughs> you there, Kev?
3: I'm still here, and uh, I'll take take somebody else who's online if they would like to speak.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try this uh, three four five seven again. Um, see if we can get them. I don't know what's going on. I mean, we can hear each other. Um, I don't see anybody on my. I, I had a lot of people on the chat room, but. Signing in, signing out, and I said if they want to ask questions, to call into the show because I'm not really answering questions on on the uh, chat tonight. Okay, let's try this 3457 again. Hello, caller, you there? Okay, um, you must have pressed the 1Q. Maybe they don't want to talk, um, but we're not getting you. Uh, usually uh, a question pops up if you want to talk to us, so you must have hit the 1Q. So I'm going to put you back on mute. No, I guess they don't want to ask anything, Kevin. So let's, um, until we get some more calls, we have, you know, people on the board, but they don't want to ask questions because they'll tell me usually when they do. Um, let's talk about Melanie more. Um, uh, what 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 was Melanie's story prior to the death of her daughter? You know, where did she grow up? What was her life about? Um, how did her gift begin? begin? Um, can you fill us in the listeners in about that?
3: Yeah, I can fill in like that. First of all, I'll start with an odd little synchronicity for you. Our last caller was Cheryl, and that was also Melanie's birth name was Cheryl.
2: Right, right.
3: We
2: Wasn't that weird that, that on my show when um, uh, all of a sudden I was getting readings when we were trying to read other people, and all of a sudden my son was coming through and bringing all these names through? <laughs> it was crazy, remember? And that's when I found out what Melanie's true name was. Wow.
3: Right. Anyway, to go on with it, um, uh, she was four years older than me. She was born in 56 in the small town of Coolidge, Arizona. She was basically raised by her grandmother, and her first experience at seeing a spirit was when she was four years old, she was... Um, Not she was sick at the time, and her her grandmother had brought a bed into her bedroom so that she could keep tabs on Melanie while she was sick. Well, anyway, at one point in the night, Melanie woke up and saw a man standing over her grandmother watching her, and Mm -hmm. she went and tapped her grandmother to say, you know, there's a guy standing there watching you. And her grandmother said, just go back to sleep. She kept watching the person for probably three or four minutes and Mm -hmm. didn't see the man anymore. And they got up at at breakfast the next morning and she started talking about this guy that she saw standing by her grandmother's bed and her grandfather kind of, you know, had a, a clue of who this might be and he went in the other room and got a picture of her grandmother's grandfather Brought it well. out, showed it to Melanie, says, is this the man you saw standing by the bed? And she says, yes, that is him. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, her grandmother realized that Melanie had this gift, and, and as Melanie's told me, her grandmother had it to some extent but chose not to develop it. Of course, you can understand this is 1960. So Right, right. You know, you know Sorry, at my- that point... She was she was uh, a a English teacher in the Coolidge High School and obviously I guess you know did not want to you know have a stigma about her so she chose not to develop it but at the same time recognizing it for what it was she got Melanie many books on the subject to help her understand as she said herself she said the question isn't with persons like me who am I but what am I. And she mm-hmm. came to the realization of who she was. She basically had three types of abilities to her. One, of course, was mediumship, and that's the one that most people know her for. Um, she also astral-traveled out of her body, and she described some of these in great detail to me. Another thing was that she involuntarily affected electronics. Many times, blowing light bulbs, she got upset no, no one's tried to call you, honey. My wife, uh, Stana, just appeared at the door and asked if someone had, from the show tried to call her. And I said, no, I don't think so. But uh, let me continue. Um, wow. she, she one time had a supervisor get upset at her. This is uh, She worked for American Airlines uh, in the 70s after graduating. The supervisor got upset and the entire computer network went down. And after a while, it became a standing joke with her coworkers that if the network down, they'd say, okay, somebody got Melanie upset. So anyway, to go wow. on a little further, then she, after she was 18, she moved to Tucson and she found a church called Your Church, Y-O-U-R Church. And the pastor of that church was Robert Ireland, the brother of Richard Ireland, who you just spoke of.
0: Right. and
3: he was able to answer these questions as to who she was, what she was experiencing, and a lot of this resonated with Melanie, and she continued to go to your church um, that he pastored and got a lot of her education through him. And I only really remembered, after I was going back through Melanie's notes, that my book, The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, was actually Predicted by Robert Ireland, and get this date, February twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. According to the tape that she recorded of Robert giving her the reading, she said that Robert said, "Your name will be in a in print." And she said, "Yeah, my divorce decree." And he said, "No, not your divorce decree. A publication." Wow. And that and that surprised me. And the thing is, of course, that's the 222, two, two, which also was the date of her last group reading before her own passing, February 22nd this year.
2: Well, we know my connections to this. Um, you actually felt there was a, uh, a connection with me and Melanie, didn't you, when we first met, because of the many well, uh, both... similarities. And,
3: and in fact, this, this show tonight. So much reminds me of the way Melanie and I would work together. You know, I was the one that had the spiritual backing. She had the um, spirit experiences and relaying of messages. Uh, the messages. This just all reminds me so much of that. Again, you know, your personality, you didn't have exactly the same voice, but you have the same personality, the same caring you both are Christians, you were both raised in the Episcopal Church, you both had a daughter that passed, you know, I understand Meg was 28 when she passed, Roxanne was 29 when she passed, and, and no Meg one was experiencing
2: three months, grief. Three, oh. three
3: months, I have Yeah. Now, I recall you said she was born in September of 73, and she passed on Mother's Day of '02. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, you both had adult daughters that were, you know, late 20s that had both passed. And mm-hmm. it was through, you know, her grief that she wound up discovering me.
2: Um, right. And then she passed sure in, I mean? uh, was it March 7th or the 8th? Because we talked about M- March 7th.
3: March 7th of this year. In fact, her husband said it was on between 8.30 and 10.30 p.m. on Friday, March 7th, that she passed because he had checked on her at 8.30 when she decided to go to bed. She was talking on the cell phone before she fell off to sleep, came back in at 10.30 that night, and she was gone. Oh,
2: wow. Which is the day we talked about our uh, synchronicities again with your anniversary, which is the day after my brother's birthday. Well, the day after Melanie died would have been my dad's birthday, which is March 8th. So I don't know if that is, it's, I mean, you know, my dad's birthday could have been October. It's just kind of weird within a day of each other, like Lee's birthday is the day after your anniversary and Melanie's passing is the day after, uh, a day before my father's birthday. And like you said, the, the complete opposite calendar of my, my birthday, which is September 7th. Um, right. There were some weird similarities. I, I don't know what kind of like, I don't know what it means myself. Even being, you know, uh, um, intuitive, I don't know everything or I'd be God. So I still try to try to piece the puzzles. Even when I give a reading, I, it's it's like a puzzle to me. So you have to work with me to let's put the pieces together, you know. So I, right. I try to understand, and you'd ask me a few times, how did you find me? To be honest, Kevin, it was because of Mark Ireland, but I don't remember the exact situation. Something just drew me to you after the show with Mark Ireland. And well, I can't what remember happened was what...
3: that I, you had joined my group first, and then I what I always do is when I see a, a request to join the group, I go to the profile and see what the person is about. And I heard that uh-huh. you were a host of a show called Signs Our Loved Ones Send Us. And I thought, I'm curious about this. And I decided to go to the archive and listen to the most recent show. And it was Mark Ireland, who was the very person uh-huh. who had given me a lot of information at the time of Melanie's passing about the coins, feathers, and things like this. So I thought, I'm going to listen to this. And I commented back to you, and you, you and I started you know, a chat. And then I think it was not too long after that, you asked if I would consider being a guest on your next show, which was July one.
2: Right. Yeah, This was it was just meant to be. I just had, you know, as we're doing the show, I had something weird just happen to me. I belong to many other sites with other mediums, and there's a, a psychic medium named Michelle Russell. And all of a sudden, something popped up, and I don't usually go to my Facebook while I'm doing the show, just in case sometimes people ask questions. And I, got, I have to read to you real quick. This I don't know what this means, but I know it was meant for me. Um. What the heck did it say? Okay, it says, is this a sign for you? I had a very strong tugging that the butterfly needed to be in purple. Of course, if everybody knows me, they know that's my color and most of the background on my book. And it's a picture of a butterfly, and it's just, just when the caterpillar thought the world was over, it became a butterfly. What do you think about that, Kevin?
3: <laughs> Basically, you're saying just when you think everything is at its hardest or about to end, you're about to merge into something new. I mean that, that's yeah, a, plus, that's probably the most normal analogy you can think of. You know, you don't have to be psychic to even know it.
2: Yeah, no, but the, the other the other uh, interpretation I'm getting is that that was like you said about my my book, you know, being kind of like out of order, but not really because I would refer back to the event with my father. And while I was comforting him right before his death, these words just came flowing from my mouth. And that's almost exactly verbatim what I said. Just when the caterpillar thought thought the world was over, it became a butterfly. That's basically what I told my father. And then I started having, after my daughter passed, the butterfly experiences. So I really feel that there is a major connection here tonight. That was just a sign that, okay, Mom, you're on the right path.
3: That's amazing yeah and I apologize i you once you now mentioned it, I did remember that you had referred to that out of chronological order in the book, which I made mention of in the review but uh and
2: that was yeah great. that was great, you know like you know some of the things I talked about my family was only the fact that the um the uh, uh the pe- the town I grew up in people wanted to put it into their uh, uh historical society. So I kind of had to give the breakdown of the family, whatever. I just went through my life, but to the, the real purpose of my book was to show you where I came from. You know, I just grew up this small town girl, and and this was my my heritage and how it led into my grandparents meeting, which was a kind of a weird circumstance uh, too. Both working for the Rockefellers family, which people happen to know the family. You know, everybody knows about the Rockefellers, and 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 to go into my history. Into what the book is truly about is about the Lord and the signs. And that's what I want to stress about my book. And, And Kevin, like I said, Kevin got it, which was fantastic. He really thrilled me that you probably are the first one that ever got that book, you know? You know, I I I think a lot of people think I did it as well. People just thought I did it to vent, which initially I started doing the book as a venting thing. It was more. It's more than venting. It's more than my life history. More than about my life. It's about my purpose on this earth. And 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 I hope more people get to read your review of it, Kevin, because you find you you were the one that really brought it out. And and I'm so glad for that. I really am because. Up until now I don't think anybody quite got it, you know, until you and I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's about the signs and I just feel like through what I just read you, another one was sent to me. Um the other well, thing, um wow. it's just it's just amazing. It's it's like almost <clears throat> like you said, there's <clears throat> when people go and ask for signs and whatever, whatever, it doesn't make you a medium or it doesn't mean it's all gonna be positive. But, like, when the signs, like, what just happened here with this, and this purple butterfly, and this woman posting, well, it. I just joined her site, actually, probably in the last week. And then this thing popped up just now, and something drew me, just like the time uh, I was drawn to a site I don't normally go to. And my son's face, my late son's face, appeared in some guy in Jersey's store. So, whether it's my intuition doing that, or something drawing, just it's just a reinforcement of the signs all the time. You know? I've seen
3: that picture, and, and, like, and I tell you, you, get some amazing things signs. I, I saw that one of Marcus in the window pane and I thought, Wow, I have not yet received a sign like that but I think we receive varying degrees and amounts of signs depending on how much the Lord is trying to allow certain messages to come through. We may not understand well what's the significance of Marcus in the window pane and why Kevin hasn't gotten anything similar but the fact is is that, you know, this is the Lord's knowledge. He knows what we need, how much we need of it, and whether it's going mm-hmm. to bring something to our minds, you know, that he desires.
2: Yes, definitely. Well, he's brought me by the the, the intense, like you said, the intense signs that I've got. Not just, you know, my, my book is, like I said, Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hug, which were all signs. Uh most parents, since my children have died and that I've talked to in sites I belong on, even after my book was written, most of the butterfly seems to be very significant. Uh Rainbows also. The hug was a little going to the extremes as I got the two hugs, like you said in the book. Um, um th- these are abnormal signs some of the things that I got and you pointed that out in your in your um review of my book too like you said you know we can find the pennies and I just read your thing about the penny and and Stan went back and that wasn't there and there was a dime recently that just happened too right
3: that just happened Saturday afternoon exactly a week after I had found the dime also
2: wow so wow that's, well,
3: the that's case? Saturday odd, is
2: the 1st right
3: Sat- uh, Saturday was the 2nd. It was actually one year to the day after I released the book on Kindle, and, and Melanie wow. had even messaged me then that she, that she heard this loud thud at the ground, and she thought, was there an earthquake or what? She got up and found I'd released the book on Kindle that August 2nd of thirteen.
2: Well, you know, it's funny you should talk about the thud. Do you remember another synchronicity here? Melissa and I talking about when she was editing my book, and she was in to New York, and I'm hundreds of miles away, and I was hearing loud banging on my roof, and she was hearing loud banging on her walls and roof where she was.
0: The same thing,
2: That's kind of another synchronicity with us. Miles apart, and, and like I'm like, I had a checked and nothing was there, and, and 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 she, I don't know who called who first, but she got all. She goes, I don't know what's going on. I'm sitting here editing your book, and it's been this has been bang, bang, bang for three days. I said the same things happening here, so all, all of a sudden, Kingdom, I said we got to bang this book out. That's well, all actually, I can think you know, of. After I, was
3: I my, when I was writing my own. My computer didn't go down, but melanie's went down. her husband's computer went down. my editor's computer went down, and we had network troubles at my job. Every computer started going down except my own.
2: Wow, that's crazy, yeah, we weren't having any like computer issues or anything because she was she was you know manually doing it. It's just the fact that there was banging, and there was no reason for it to be bang something banging on my roof or something banging on her apartment roof or her dorm while she had an apartment up at school, hundreds of miles away at the same time. It was just weird. It's just very weird. But when you said that, it reminded me of what uh, um, um, happened between Melissa and I with the book. So it's that to me, it's just kind of like another sign, you know, the unusual signs. Like I said, the butterflies are pretty usual. The uh, dragonflies, uh, the pennies, you know, the pennies from heaven um feathers you know we've discussed that also i've had had these all um but the intense things like my son's picture showing up in a door and i mean what are the t- i mean you, you you didn't know my son but i showed the picture of an actual picture of him after that is there any doubt in your mind it was him
3: no doubt at all in fact i liked the fact that you had that side by side comparison
2: Oh, yeah. It was amazing. It was just absolutely amazing. And then I, <clears throat> I've had, um, i had, I talked on several shows before about two of my neighbors that saw my son within the same week where he appeared and then disappeared. Well, my neighbor next door, she also lost a son and daughter uh, right before mine. Their hers were older. And she, she came over the other day. We're, we're pretty close. And um, We got talking, and she'd never heard my shows before because her husband's very ill right now and a lot of, you know, 24-hour care. So we sat on my deck, and I played a little bit of one of the shows for her, and she stopped me, and she goes, did I ever tell you that I saw Mark II? I said, what? She not only lost a daughter and son, but she a month after her daughter passed, her daughter's son passed away to a drug overdose. She said that one night in her room, she woke up, and Bobby, who was her grandson, was just about Mark. My son Mark was 22 when he passed. Her Bobby was 21. We're standing by her bed, both giggling, looking at her and giggling. She, she never wanted to tell me. She never told me, and it's three years since my son passed till uh, two days ago.
0: Mm. You know, yeah, no, so I, I found I that amazing. Can- so now
2: my been spotted not by just me you know he's come to me a couple times but by three neighbors now and my my uh donnie my son donnie's uh uh, wife uh she saw him in a strange situation when i actually i think it was my second show and she called in and she was always a non-believer in all of it she used to poo-poo me when you know laugh at me when i tell her things you know and uh and i'm like and then she she flabbergasted me calling into the show and sharing that she saw him. You know? So I I don't have the answers. I just think, um I think because I'm now doing the work I'm doing, this all led me into it. Maybe that's why I get more powerful messages and, 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 and my kids appearing and what have you. And, uh, you know, I have other books coming out and my next book, I'm going to try to knock this book out. I've been trying for two years within, within the next few months. But if you think rainbows, butterflies, and one last hug had signs, where do you read the next one? Racing Hunters in Heaven. I can't even view. believe. What- Oh, I, yeah, actually, you know what, and not to sound like a snob, and I'm not trying to make, because there is no snobby in me at all, I'm down to earth. I can't even believe this book. That's why everybody keeps going to me like, when, when is it? I can't wait, can't wait. Well, I can't either because I can't finish it because the signs keep coming. I don't want to do a sequel to it, you know. This, my first one leads into that one. But the powerhouse of signs are, are like, they're going to be unbelievable. Most people won't believe them, but I have, um, I have pictures to back a lot of it. That's what I think the pictures are about. I have uh, quite a oh, few pictures. You have that. You yeah, have yeah, that. I mean, that's
3: that's a visual confirmation to people who are not used to signs, who are not mm-hmm. mediums. I, I think yours is meant to reach out to people who are grieving, who did not realize that these signs can come and that they just need to keep their eyes open and aware. You know, you could have yeah. easily missed some of these signs yourself or turned another direction. But it's saying, you know, you don't have to be a medium to recognize that your loved ones are trying to give you assurances of their presence and to let you know that they love you and they are encouraging you Mm -hmm. in that way.
2: Well, I feel like, for instance, that that thing I just put about the butterfly, with my intuitiveness, I really think that's my two kids and Melanie made me go there. (laughs) To be honest with you, that's the feeling I'm getting. Because that was just that was even though it was just a picture, but this woman out of the blue just said she had this strong tugging about the butterfly to, and needed to be in purple. This woman doesn't even know me, but I think that was just another thing because the show is going on right now. And like I said, I don't go to my Facebook when I'm on the show. I once in a while I'll see if somebody's got a question there. That's all. And something just made me go there, and all of a sudden this thing pops up. So I'm like, whoa, whoa. I I think. uh you know there's something to it, you know i I you know it, it, being a medium or intuitive or whatever you want to call me, I'm still amazed. I have to pinch myself every day. I still have my human aspect of like I question and and any good medium questions of being a human being we question you know every time I have
0: met the
3: psychic or a medium, they still love the confirmation I don't it seems like it doesn't matter how many years and how many times they've been confirmed they still love to know that what they saw was something real something there's a real connection to things and so no I don't consider that unusual at all Peggy
2: Mhm mhm Well like I said you did in your view said that you know about or when we talked about the uh why did I get pictures uh why did I get you know I've ha- I have more than one picture I don't just have that one from that guy from Jersey that I didn't know I have a picture of the first event. I do event every year on Mark's birthday to raise toys for sick children in the hospital. And I have pictures. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them. Actually, you know what, Kevin? I'll send you all the pictures I have. But I do have that okay. site that you can check on. Um, I don't even know the name of my own sites. I have so many of them. But I'll read it to you. If anybody wants to join my page, uh well, let me get it for you. The name of my site is What Tell- What Signs Tells You... Your loved ones are still around. You can go to that page, and I'll let you in. And I have a lot of the pictures posted there and some of the stories that's going to be in my next book. And you know what? As I say, the proof's in the pudding. I can tell you I'm a medium. I can read you. But when I start showing you pictures, concrete evidence, you know, I think that's pretty crazy. You know, I think intense, actually. I shouldn't say crazy. It's intense. There, I swear, there's no Photoshop, there's no nothing. The only one picture of uh, Mark's um, first birthday after his death, someone enhanced it in gold so you could see the faces better, but my husband died nine months prior to Mark's death. He was also ill with uh, diabetes. He was, had diabetes. His face showed up in that picture. My daughter's name was scribbled over mine in her son's head. There's many faces in that picture, but my husband's face stood right out. And I have, I have so many pictures that, like I said, the next book's going to be incredible because I'm putting all those pictures in there. So, it's yeah. crazy. Now, My wife was that's... actually the
3: first one to teach me to believe in signs. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Initially, a lot of it had to do with, you know, some of her, you know, pets' deaths. But, for example, on her grandmother's day of her death, which was August 18th of, what? of 1988, Yep, August eighteenth, yeah. My grandmother died one day before my anniversary.
2: On my brother Lee's birthday. Right. And well, that's is the year Mark was born, by the way.
3: Yeah, so it was eight eighteen eighty eight was the date for this, okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh, wow. I anyway, I had gone home to check on things so she was watching the house for some friends of hers at the time that her her grandmother passed away. Her Mm-hmm. Red canna-lily plant in the garden had a yellow bloom on it. Wow! Never had it anyway. So I, I I cut that at the time and brought it to her, and I said this was on that canna-lily plant, and that was her mm-hmm. sign that everything was okay with her grandmother. To see that, and you know, um, she was. You know, she had a lot more signs in the beginning, in the 1980s, you know, the first 10 years we were married, you know, including the fact that she would see a killdeer. It would be her sign from the Lord that somebody was going to pass away in the family. When her grandfather died, the killdeer was circling over us at a Fry's grocery store parking lot. She found out later mm-hmm. that same day that her grandfather had indeed passed away.
1: Wow. Wow. Um,
3: to, one time we were coming out of a the theater, we got the same kill deer or not the same killdeer, but a kill deer So right. a friend of mine named Kai was in the hospital. I found out the next day that at the same time we had the killdeer uh, present with us, he had gone code blue. They had revived him, and he had mm-hmm. an NDE experience, which he told me about. At really? the same time as the killer. Yes, okay, I've oh had three friends that have all had NDE experiences.
2: Oh wow! You know, I was—I don't think I've done—I was—I had a couple times put up to do a show on um, near-death experiences. Um, I don't think I ever thought I've done so many shows now. I can't remember. I don't think I've done it yet. But that, that, you know—would you like to come on again to uh, if we should do that?
0: Uh,
3: yes, although I myself personally have not had one.
2: No, I mean just to share the story, You you want to share a little oh, bit sweetie. about, uh, or, or were you? Uh, is this confidence about the the you know your friends no, and family? No, it's not. Of... Not
3: incompetence. Uh Basically, uh, he said that he was um, in this near death experience. He didn't go through any tunnels or anything. He told me, but he was standing in what would have been like a dark stadium, and he says, you know, it was okay. just like if everybody in the stadium with the lights out had decided to flick their big lighter because they were all right. around him and he was standing alone at the center of this dark stadium, one man standing mm-hmm. in front of him saying, um, it's not your time now, Kai. I'm sending you back. Wow. And and then he suddenly was back in his body at Northwest Hospital. Mm-hmm. But it was different from some of the others. I I had heard um you know different ones where they said they went through a tunnel of lights, but that when they got there it was more heaven light, but at the same time there was still a person there that said, you know, it is not your time, go back.
0: Well right. the common
3: denominator with all the M D E stories I've heard is that there's a mm-hmm. the person at the other end saying, It's not your time, go back You know or they may vary the words saying, you know, um, I'm sending you back, this is not the time, or whatever it may be, but it's that's the common denominator. The lights aren't always there, the tunnel or whatever may not always be there, but there's always that person who says, yeah, my, I'm sending you back.
2: I have a well, I had two other brothers, one passed in 98. Uh, I have a middle brother, Bob, who had a heart attack a few years back, and uh, he had a heart attack, seizure, and a, they, they're questioning whether a stroke all at the same time. He he flatlined. He was out. He dropped at work at, I, at IBM. I said to him, I said, Bob, did you see anything when b- before they brought you back? He said, no. He goes, oh, I saw everything just went dark. He saw nothing, so I don't know what that meant. He didn't have any kind of an experience when he flatlined. You know, so I don't do, – do you think uh, everyone does or, or – um, that when God chooses when you should have this experience. What do you think about that?
3: Well, I think the Lord, again, sets up the experience. It is to increase our faith. But, again, you look at how the movie Heaven is for Real is based upon an actual true story as told to Pastor Todd Burple about his son. I can't remember the son's name offhand. But, in other words, his story... Yeah, Colton, that's right. But, anyway, Colton's experiences he's not only seeing this person, which, you know, in the um, NDE sequence, it shows him going into his dad's church alone and a person like mm-hmm. Jesus walking up talking to him, but he also right. is introduced to a child that um, was miscarried. He was introduced to Pastor Burpo's grandfather. And yeah, you know, right. and I think it, that the Lord designed his uh, experience even though he did not mm-hmm. die, you know, himself, but it was in this realm to be able to mm-hmm. share this so that they was, you know, that for whatever reason, it would encourage and build up Pastor Bupo. Mm-hmm. You know, if it might have been a typical one, it may not have done the same effect. You know, I believe that the Lord gives us his experiences to build our faith, to encourage us to say, you don't know everything out there. I am God, I create things that are visible and invisible, and that he was to build us up through those experiences.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to let the listeners know too, I did do a show back in April, uh, the week of the movie, uh, about the movie Heaven is Real, after going to see this with my niece. And um, there were a lot of synchronicities between Colton and my late son Marcus. Uh, resemblance looks wise the original child and the child in the movie uh, to the song that he heard in heaven or asked in heaven f- if the angel would sing the song Uh there were there were some synchronicities there with me with Marcus too and uh, there was something else I want to tell you Kevin I don't know if we've ever discussed it but did I ever tell you that my son Marcus had three visitations from my late daughter before his death
3: no in fact I don't know if you've shared that anywhere have you
2: um, i don't, I might have done it on one or two shows briefly um, it was new year's day mark died february second my young my second child uh, my youngest child um, died february second two thousand and eleven off awful cystic fibrosis like his sister my daughter who died in two thousand and two and the January 1st was a month and one day before Marcus passed. He was in the hospital, but we had to go to our local hospital before they could open up a bed for him at his hospital in in Presbyterian in New York City. So we were kind of waiting out, but he was too sick to be home, and um, it was New Year's Day, which would have been my husband's birthday. And I usually slept at the hospital, Mark. I stayed with him day and night, but I was ill at the time and not feeling good, and I needed to go home and get some rest. So, but I spent the night before with him New Year's Eve, and I was going back New Year's Day, and he called me that morning, totally coherent, and started crying. And he was 22, and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't being like a crybaby. He says, Mom, I'm scared. I said, Why? He says, You've got to come here. May came. My daughter came to him. And then he proceeded to tell me, Mom, it wasn't the first time. This is the third time she's come to me, but I don't want to talk about the other two times. And he never shared it with me, okay? So I called my daughter's best friend, who I'm very close with. I said, Christine, I told her what happened. I said, you have to go with me. He says, "Makes come to him. And I thought, because most of my family died on each other's birthdays or so many things, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, is he going to be taken home on his father's birthday, which was January 1st. We rushed right to the hospital, and he was pretty with it. And he was still teary eyed and he, and he and I said, Mark, do you want to talk about this? He said, I don't want to talk about it the other two times. I said, Well what happened now? He says, Well, I was sound asleep and he goes, Mom, I wasn't dreaming this. I was sound asleep and I felt a tugging on my arm. I woke up and Meg was there. Meg was here. I said, really? What well, does she look like? You. He goes, she looked like her, but a little younger. But my daughter, she had a figure of a model, but she used to like to wear baggy clothing, and she had her sweats on because she was always comfortable in them. And he says, in the usual sweats, and she says, Mark, Mark, you, wake up. Come on, you've got to get out of here he thought she meant that he needed to get to the other hospital because the one he was in wasn't the greatest, even though it was a hospital for cystic fibrosis, but not like the city hospital. So he goes, Mom, you've got to get me out of here sooner. Please, she wants she wants to get me out of here. I really think Meg was coming to take him home that day. And uh, But he, was, he had a very strong will to live, and he, he lived another month and day after that. But he did... Did have three visitations from her. So I'm sorry. I I thought I shared that with you. I'm sorry. Wow. I thought I talked to you about not. And then I have another one real quickly. My husband, who died nine months before Marcus, we were separated uh, for years. Uh, we were together many years, had four children, but we had been separated, but still close. We weren't divorced and whatever. And it got to be to the point, even if we didn't want to get back because of Mark's illness and him being sick, they couldn't be around each other because of the, the infections, okay? So we had to live in different places. Um, but, close, you know, we actually were living on the same street uh for most of the time after Meg died. We lived on, you know, a corner apart. So, but I had moved because I couldn't do stairs because I have multiple sclerosis anymore, and Mark couldn't do stairs because of his health issues. So I got the place I'm in now, which had only one step, and I was at my place, and my husband called, and he goes, uh, and my husband was not a big believer in signs, and he goes to me, he goes, Meg was just here. He said the same thing as Mark. I said, what are you talking about? And it was like E.F. Hutton with him. When my right. When Don said something, you listened, okay? Because Don was, to the point, no BS, you know? And to uh, put it in not, not straight terms, but he was not about BSing anybody. So anyhow, what happened was, I said, well, Don had a... Um, quite a bit of problems because he had the diabetic neuropathy in both legs and had trouble walking and his legs were very bloated and what have you, what have you. And he had fallen a couple times and um, so he, he was sitting in his lazy boy and I guess he started to nod off and he went to go forward and almost fell out of the chair and he said that my daughter appeared and pushed him back on the chair. Now that was about four months before he had passed. So my daughter came to her dad and his rescue and came to her her brother. So this is two people that died within nine months of each other that, that she came to, to help.
3: Yeah, it sounds to me like they both happened in the month of January since you said this is about four months before his own death.
2: Well, oh, actually, you know what? I, 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 I actually, Don's birth is in January. No, it had to be before that. Um, Don died in April, but he didn't go into the hospital till February. So maybe I, I may be wrong. It must have been like maybe November, December. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I, I don't remember the exact date because he was, he, he didn't go and um, he was still home at the time. Oh, actually, you know what? You're right. It may have been in January. Because he didn't go into oh, the hospital. Just the
3: of the, the month is all I mentioned. But in reality, yeah, yeah. you know what?
2: Thank you. I never even thought of that. I never even thought about that. Wow. Yeah, because I, I keep thinking four months, and but he, he, like I said, he was, he was only in the hospital two months when he passed. I mean, he was coherent when I finally got him to go, and then the next day they had to bring him back. Um, he went to uh, respiratory, you know, uh, duress and. He was gone for 20 minutes, and they actually brought him back, and he, he, he lived another two months. And he actually, he had died a couple other times, and I didn't sign the DNR, and they kept bringing him back. But the, the last time, and that's also going to be my next book. I have a um, whole chapter on rally. Mark rallied, my husband rallied, my father rallied, my mother rallied. Do, do, have you ever had an experience with rally, what that's about?
3: I have heard of that, I've not been around to personally experience, but I have heard of people rallying just before they're passing away, Um, but what I'm seeing here in this pattern of things is encouragement that there is definitely a life beyond this physical one, because in, in each instance, your daughter Meg is appearing before the physical death of the person she's appearing to, as if to say, hey... When you die, you're not just going to vanish into atoms and there'll be nothing more of you. You know, you can that. see right now that that's not the case.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, and one of the other shows, um, I, I don't think I did a show on, I, I can't remember. I'll have to go back to my own archives. I've done so many, like I said. But I did do a, a show on, um, uh, um, on uh, um, oh gosh, uh, losing, my, losing my train of thought here. Um, the it, it, I, the rally thing I, I'm trying to think if I did or not. You know because I you know I don't want to tell people to go back and check and whatever whatever. But the the only way I can explain rally is um you ever see a light bulb uh, right before it burns out how it gets very bright and then okay, it dies. Sorry, yes. That's exactly the way I describe rally in my next book. Okay. The other thing I know the point I was trying to make I did do a show on um our guardian angels, and our, our, um, our imaginary friends, okay? And all four of my kids had imaginary friends with very weird names. And, the, you know, we see how much time we have left here because I want to talk a little more about other things. Yeah, about uh, we have about 26 minutes.
0: minutes.
2: Yeah. Well, anyhow, um, Mark's imaginary friends, friends were Jim and Frank, and he had this little tyke's, uh, I talked about this, little tyke's uh, car as a little kid, and he was so cute, he'd ride around our yard and have his hand out the door, and he always had this raspy voice like me, you know, we used to call him Little Froggy, you know, and and I would always say to Mark, where are you going? He goes, I'm hanging out with Jim and Frank. And I said, where are you going? He goes, we're going to the bar, we're going to the salad bar and drink vinegar. <laughs> cute story, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> When Mark rallied, and this is the last time he was coherent before he went into the coma, I was shocked. I walked into the hospital. This is about maybe eight or nine days before he passed. He went into the coma the next day. Mark had been very ill at that point. There was was actually no hope. And I walked into the room, and he hadn't been eating in a while because he just couldn't. I mean, everything was shutting down. He needed a double lung liver transplant. His intestines were shutting down. It was really bad. I walked into that room that night, and here he was, he, like almost like a chemo or a cancer patient. He was losing his hair um, because of lack of nutrition, because he wasn't even. We couldn't even feed him by a feeding tube anymore. We were. I was feeding him an IV through his veins called um, uh, TPN. It was very difficult. And I walked into his room, and here he's sitting on his bed, dressed, out combing what little he had left of his hair. And talking to me, I'm, I was shocked. I was like, oh, my gosh, you, you kicked this. You're, you're doing okay. You're going to come home, blah, blah, blah. You know, giving hope. Because he, he came back a couple other times when they thought this was it. You know, when he came back home and he started driving his car, he was an amazing kid, a real fighter. And I'm, I, was, I was like, I didn't know what to say. And all of a sudden, he wanted all this food. I said, whatever he wanted. He wanted sushi. He wanted calamari. He wanted this. And he, but the, the thing he said to me, which really got to me, and I know what it meant, and it, that's where I did the show about the imaginary friends was, I want the real vinegar. No balsamic. I want real vinegar. That was the key to Jim and Frank, his guardian angels, which kids referred to their imaginary friends. They were there with yeah. them. That was fine to me. So we will, you know, I have, if you want to go back to my archives, you can listen to that show on the imaginary friends and uh my experiences with that and uh and the next book I will be talking about that and about the rally the rally is with every one of my family off the hook it, it talk about signs while they're still here it's weird you know it's it's amazing absolutely amazing you know you you just can't make this stuff up it's like uh, i sit here like i said sometimes i have to pinch myself to say oh my gosh i, I don't even believe half this stuff you know, I can imagine what my readers or my listeners think, you know. It's crazy. It's just like it's we're just as human beings not conditioned to think this way, you know, and until you see it yourself and experience it firsthand, you know.
3: Well, How do you, you feel about that? Gear your, I think it's, it's, if you gear your mind to it, the fact that there's purpose in everything, as we see, you know, Ecclesiastes 3, mm-hmm. 1 says, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, you begin to say, okay, there's purpose to everything. Just like I said a few minutes ago that when Don was three months away from passing and when Marcus was one month away from passing, they both encountered Meg. And if you Mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going to look at the purpose in this, and you say, well, if their own times to pass was coming close, it was further assurance that Meg was right there for them to say, yes, there Mm -hmm. is a life beyond your physical one. You'll, You'll be like me and to give them that strength and encouragement that their physical body wasn't going to have anymore, but the strength of their spirit.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, in, in turn, it strengthened me because people still ask me the question, you know, you're out there helping everybody else, and what about you? Um, well, okay, I'm going to divulge that tonight. I'm human. I still cry on the angel anniversaries, the day of their deaths, and the holidays because I'm human, okay? Psychic, medium, intuitive Christian, I still hurt. I just want to emphasize that, people. I still hurt. I have my human and it was side on me
3: also because she lost yeah, her daughter right. Roxanne. And it doesn't mean that, oh, just because I'm a medium and I do speak to people who have passed doesn't mean you don't grieve. And also, too, it's just like we were saying it elsewise, it's when the Spirit comes to you and when they haven't mm-hmm. come to you at a time, you still miss them.
2: Uh, exactly. What else can I say? Yep. And it's very true. And I and like people ask me this time, and they look at me like, like, how do you do this? I mean, sometimes they look at me almost sometimes with disgust, like, what are you trying to make money? First of all, that's why I emphasize, I don't make money doing this show. I'm doing this. This is my purpose. This is not. I'm not being paid. Okay, my payment is to give to God, to give back to people, to, to we're supposed to help each other. That's why I'm doing it. It heals me, of course, and it's not just about me, though, because that's what life's about. We go through things to learn like anything, like being in school. Um, we learn things, and then we, we take them into the world, and we go into a certain occupation or uh, field or what have you. That's what I had to take my grief Instead of sitting here and just, to be honest, both times after both my kids died for a while there, I was just sitting here waiting to die myself. I just didn't care. I'm not going to lie. Even though I knew I had intuition, even though I knew God and Jesus were real and heaven was real, my human side just wanted to be with them. Okay? And then I woke up and, and I, I, I understand said, understand well, that. Yeah, and this is why I want to show people, especially through my shows and my writings, I'm a human being too. Yeah, I do hurt still. I do. If you you check my Facebook, now Meg's birthday is coming up September 1st. I'll be having a day of crying. Actually, it's Labor Day this year. One year falls on my birthday. A few years later, falls on hers. And, you know, it's always either the first, second, third, or up to the seventh. So I think last year it was mine or the year before, and this year it's on hers. But I'm going to be on there, and I'm going to be playing her music, and I'm going to be crying, and I'm going to show you my human side, not because I'm trying to prove anything, because that's real. I'm human, and I still hurt. My show doesn't stop that grieving. It doesn't stop my pain. But I just... Take from what I've learned. So many people have left my side that was close to me for years and just walked away from me because they couldn't deal with it. They can't deal with their own mortality or what have you. I guess you know. Um, so I this said, "Who is no better?" Even more important. The why?
3: All I'm saying uh, is this makes your work even more important. Again. The entire emphasis of what you have is to say, our loved ones are still there. They're still around us. And if you take that and you say, well, are they afraid of their own mortality? Again, that education that, yes, our loved ones are still here. You don't have to be a medium to know it. Just start looking, start recognizing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, because you recognize, you could fill books with those synchronicities and signs that all we have to do is to open up our eyes. And look at them, you know, you, you know, what you've said is true, that, you know, mm-hmm. you never know what it's like till you've lost a child yourself, but because you did, you are able to mm-hmm. strengthen those who have also and already have been doing it.
2: Yes, and, and tw- twice over. I mean, losing one was bad enough, losing two, oh my gosh. Meg was my only daughter, Mark was my youngest son. I do have two uh, middle sons that did not, did not get CF. And, um, you know, each child is different. And, you know, I've done shows, too, also on what what to say and what not to say to a grieving parent uh, to help others understand it a little better, not to be sarcastic to people. I I hope people don't think I come across that way, but we go through enough uh, hell on earth after the loss of a child. That's the only way I can put it. It really is from the human aspect. And by me teaching others, you know, how to handle us, helps them where they're more in their own comfort zone and puts us in a better place. So this is why I do what I do, because I've been there, and I've been there twice with children. And, you know, I'm hoping other grieving parents can relate to me, and I can can relate to them on that level, you know. And it's just not giving readings. It's just to say, I know what you're feeling and i'm here and when nobody wanted to hear me vent anymore and nobody wanted to listen to me or everybody stopped coming around because that does happen i want the world to know and this program is international i'm here i'm here along with other grieving parents calling in that have gotten signs that understand your pain vent away they need a place to go and that's what my show is about you know a place to go so oh, i just absolutely. want people I want people to yeah, know that. On top of everything else, and, and, and of course, people like you, Kevin, with your book and, and helping, you know, my work, part of my work, which is medium, you know, intuitive medium or whatever. I, I don't know what I label myself. I'm just Peg. Peg who gets signs, you know. I don't label myself really as intuitive or medium or whatever, but Peg gets signs, you know. and even me,
3: who's not a medium, I have gotten the signs. Um, you know, one of the things that had, you know, happened two days before Melanie's death, you know, I had been telling Melanie, you need to communicate a little bit more with Stana. Not that, you know, there was any jealousies, but it was getting kind of getting lopsided where, you know, she and I were having a lot more conversations than Stana was with her. Well, anyway, Hi. the evening following the day I got the news of her death, Stana and I had mm-hmm. gone to bed, and then about 30 minutes later, she said, What? And I said, what do you mean? She says, you tapped me on the shoulder. And I said, no, I didn't tap you. And then I said, Melanie. Well, we both went back to sleep, and 20 minutes after that, she got tapped on the other shoulder. And, again, it was not me. You know, we didn't have any of our dogs you know, doing this, we didn't have any anything else that could be mistaken for fingers tapping you on the back of the shoulder blade. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Then she would start getting, you know, starting the very next day, a dove that would fly into the goose coop and couldn't find its way out, but would allow her to come, pick it mm-hmm. up, touch it, and when she walked outside the goose coop, would fly away, and this kept repeating. She would, again, find the pennies. She would start finding the uh, feathers in the strangest of places, Uh, you know. And so, again, every time I thought back, I said, well, Melanie's doing just what I said, which is to communicate more with Stana. And she was doing it. What
2: was this? This was two days after Melanie's death?
3: The tapping on the shoulder was the night. See, I got the news on the morning of March 8th. This was the night of March 8th that she got the taps on the shoulder, and it was on March 9th on Sunday that she first found the first dove that had gotten into the goose coop, and it kept happening. Oh, wow.
2: Now, you said Stana. Stana is not an intuitive medium. She doesn't speak to spirit. What does Stana actually do? Okay, okay.
3: well, she's empathic, first of all. In other words, she'll feel anything in her body that somebody else does. She's also a, I would call her more of a veterinary intuitive than a medical intuitive because she can look into the eyes of an animal and know what their illness is. She's also wow. predicted death. Um, huh? um, and then I don't know how else to describe it except that she can feel touches that aren't actually touching her, which is like I could, I could, move a finger within a few inches of her body and she'll feel it as if I was actually touching her skin. I don't know what you call that. But that's some wow. of, of the gifts that she has had. She also can read what I call artwork. In other words, like oh, if you call, if I call, if you called in for a reading and, or if I called in for a reading and you give me a reading, well, if she wanted to give someone a leash, you would look at a sketch or a piece of artwork or craft they built and to give them all the insights into themselves based upon that piece of craft, artwork, or painting.
2: Wow. What would she do if I sent her a stick figure? Because I can't draw for anything. I'm kidding. <laughs> just a little humor. I'm I'm just kidding.
3: Now, this actually happened with our, our pastor's daughter in the last year. was at uh, Payless Street that she'd been going through a lot of trouble. She had been running away, which was one of the incidences that led to past Stana leaving the church, but she was sketching in the in the back of the church one time on a sketch pad, and I told her about Stana's gift of reading artwork. And she says, right. you could take a picture of it with your phone. I took a picture with my phone, brought it home, mm-hmm. printed it out for Stana, and Stana gave me a full detailing on that. Which the best mm-hmm. I could remember, I told her the next Sunday, and she broke down in tears and said it was dead on; it was exactly right. And I really? put on the phone to talk to Stana at that point.
2: Wow! Wow! Was, and this was the, uh, the 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 minister of the uh, the minister's uh, wife?
3: No, this was the, the daughter, daughter the, that it, was running it was away. His oldest daughter. At that time, she was seventeen. She's now uh, you know she's now left home and is married, but. But at that time, mm-hmm. she was going through a lot of troubled thoughts, and she mm-hmm. said that Santa was the only one that got it right, and what Stan had done was to, re- was to read her doodling.
2: Wow, that's amazing. See, that's something so that's like... like she's... Right, right. So she's more like a, um, I guess you would call psychic, um, Oh, I, I don't know what you would call. Psych- I, I her felt...
3: psychic in that sense.
2: Uh yeah, um, psychic,
3: um, yeah. I talked about this in a, in a show that uh, I was on with David Baker that her synesthesia mm-hmm. has come into play where she has been able to predict a death by the taste of the, of the complexion of the skin to tell how mm-hmm. close or how far away the person's death is.
2: Really? Wow. And that,
3: that works with her synesthesia. In other words, she looks at the complexion and gets a taste. That's synesthesia. Wow. That's not psychic. But then through that mm-hmm. taste she's Mm -hmm. able to gauge through that gift, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how close the person is to death.
2: Yeah, I think most people don't really want to know that one, though. So what do you What do you feel on that? No. I mean, do people you, Well,
3: this is one thing we prayed about. This is what I said in the beginning of the show, Peggy, is that if a person got a, has a gift, they have a responsibility to use it for the Lord's glory, but then what do you do with a gift like predicting death? You don't want to come across as morbid. You don't want to come across as, oh, gosh, here comes Stanley. The person's going to die. You, you, we both prayed and said, Lord, if you want this gift to be used, you're going to have to come up with how to use it. And exactly. twice, it came out as well, a positive result. Once that was, was when my... Melanie, um,
2: with my gift, uh, and a few. Well, actually, on Mark's birthday celebration this year, when I do my fundraising, I had invited a, another uh, psychic medium, uh, intuitive medium, and I knew her through Facebook. But she lived close by, and we went outside to talk. And I and I told her how I hated that part of my gift, not knowing who it was, but I felt it, and I'm still doing it. And she told me, "You don't have to use. You don't have to have that if you're not comfortable with it." I, it's still happening, obviously, because of what happened the other day when my friend Bill died, you know. Um, but it doesn't seem to happen as often as it used to because I'm not comfortable with it. I don't want to be predicting someone's death, you know. I don't want to feel – I don't want that feeling, you know. Um, well, I I I, I to too.
3: You know, what, yeah. what happened in one of, one of the two positive instances – and it was the only time Stana got the death date down right to the day, but the woman mm-hmm. that was a friend of the of the woman who died had has mm-hmm. been going through a guilt complex for a year and a half of mm-hmm. thinking if she had just you know how can i say stood up to the woman's family and was very would have been more forceful about them putting her into a care home that she would not mm-hmm. have died and I said to her, right. is, you know you knew that Stana predicted." death and she says mm-hmm. yes she says now do you think that the lord would not have given her the exact date if there was something you could have done about it And she said no mm-hmm. i assume not then she came back to me and i says know, kevin she says you're telling me that 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 the lord had planned that death date and, and told it to stana really brought mm-hmm comfort to me because then he says, she said, I knew it was in the Lord's hands and that there was nothing I could have said that would have changed that death date. It actually brought her comfort through the use of Santa's gift.
2: Yeah, that, that I can totally understand, you know, mine, I don't get for the fact because I haven't seen the purpose in me knowing that someone except the fact that I'm just feeling it, you know, I, like I said, i never know who it is. It's usually a family member or a friend or someone pretty close that the the numbers start popping and some other things happen and it's like I've yet to find a purpose in it except kind of like warning me, Oh, it's gonna happen.
0: But
3: don't you know, so I now.
2: haven't seen the me knowing it, you know.
3: When, we know, when The thing is, don't forget that the Lord has said in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He puts the gift in there, and yes, you and I can't see the purpose. I couldn't see the purpose. But when we mm-hmm. say we give it over to the Lord and says, Lord, I don't know why you put this gift or this aspect of this gift into me, but if it's from mm-hmm. you... Let you know put it to that positive use, here it is, Lord. You make it useful, right. and this is exactly what the Lord did and brought two positive results from a gift that we didn't really think had any positive way to be used
2: right see I've had that i this is the part of the gift I've had uh since I was nine, okay, I told you i it happened with my aunt, you know i uh, i I won't go into the details I've talked about it on other shows and Going to bed, I say goodbye. She says, No, never say goodbye, say good night and I said no goodbye and then the next week she died. <laughs> and so Yeah okay. I, I that that wasn't comforting to me as a child, you know, and that's why I think that's stuck in my mind and I've yet except that the warning is there. I, I sit here and I wait to get the call because I know I'm gonna get the call from somebody. I just don't know what my purpose is with that yet. So maybe it's something I gotta figure out or I don't know. It's time I to really do
3: Time to pray. Yes. Yeah,
2: no, I pray all the time. I do. And that's one of the things my friend told me. She says that, you know, you have to ask why and and I have been and I'm I, mean, I guess when he's ready to tell me, but you know I'm just not comfortable with it. I really I'm just not comfortable with it. You know, well, I'm I neither not
3: stand, she's not she's not comfortable with it either, but We do know that we've now put it out there and used it in a positive way. I'm just looking at my watch. Five, five, five on (laughs) 05. Of course, I'm in a different zone than you. Yes.
2: Actually, my Facebook I can see from here. Two, two just popped. not even kidding, you can go to my page. Two two. And I'm like I just 'cause I can see the headlines above my board, you know, and it just went to two two. I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Well we're down to about four minutes of the show and uh Kevin, I, I'd like you to come back more and more, you know, if you wouldn't mind. Oh I'd love what, you. You know, I
3: love you. I've enjoyed this talk tonight. I really appreciated Cheryl's call. I thank the Lord that he gave me the answer to give to her regarding, you know, her original question was, you know, the chasm between us and then of course to ask why don't we all have the gift of communicating like a medium. You know, I encourage these questions. And if I don't have yeah, the answer I, the Lord sure does.
2: That and I think that's uh, a good good thing to have you on my show, um to answer these questions because maybe we'll get more listeners also to to understand that this isn't you know my work is important your work is important we're kind of working together as a team and, and, and it, we were working together as a team. I mean, since we've met we haven't met physically but uh since we've met through our work, uh we've been kinda of working together and, and kinda of coming up with ideas, right? And um I think together uh I think uh, the Lord joined us. Joined us together to um continue this work and to for for the higher purpose obviously, to um to let people know heaven is real and and the signs uh, even though like I say in my book and we've said before why do you sit in that church pew if you don't believe the word is believe believe some people that, that don't get the signs they believe but they really don't believe to the point where or they miss them and like you said my book Shows you a lot of the common signs that you may overlook. You know, like when the, the the butterflies started coming to me the day Meg died. You know, and and the way it acted, it was weird. I just felt her presence. You know, I really didn't wasn't convinced at that point. I was a medium or intuitive. I just thought it was my signs. But it's brought me to what I'm doing now, reading other people. You know, so it's all part of the 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 the, the plan, I guess. The stepping stones of the plan. You know. And, oh, absolutely, um,
3: and like I say, you're, you're doing it for those who, you know, are not a medium, just like I'm not a medium, but can still take comfort and reassurance in the signs. This is why your work is so important, Peggy, you know, right. and, and I love the fact that you do honor the Lord. Like I say, we got a couple of minutes left in this show today, and for that, I, I glorify the Lord that he put you in your calling with your gift, and you coupled it together to really reassure many people of what, Mm -hmm. you know, is happening, and without you having had those tragedies, you wouldn't have been there to be that reassurance, and to say, I know, because I've had to suffer that.
2: Exactly, exactly, and it is a calling, you know, it really is a calling that uh, I could have sat here and just like I said, waited till so my my number was up, as my uncle used to say, or done something about it. You know, there's two ways of going in life. You can either, you know, do or die. You know? We're down to Absolutely. one more minute. Kevin, I would like yes. to thank you again for being on my show. Tell the name of your book again and your site. Okay. And, and and uh, again, my, off.
3: My, my book is The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts. It can be found on Amazon.com. Um, in both Kindle and paperback. You can also go to my website, www.bibleforpsychics.com, and click on the tab Read an Excerpt to get a sample of the book uh, before you order if you'd like to find out more about
2: it. Kevin, I'd like to thank you again. And, of course, my book is Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hug, bestseller on Amazon, also Kindle, hard copy, and soft cover. And I'm Peggy S. Maneese with Signs Our Loved Ones Send Us. You can find me on Facebook, friend me if you'd like, me know how you're feeling. And uh, I want to say God bless everybody and thank you for tuning in. And again, Kevin, thank you and say good night to Stan and happy anniversary.
0: Okay, and
3: good night, Peggy. Thank you much.
2: God bless. Good night.